Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. It's episode 80 for March 16, 2011. That's right. I've thrown Mark out of the way, and I'm taking over, over the hosting duties. So we are going to go ahead and I think officially call this one the one that should never have been born. <laughs> so on today's show, we're going to be discussing lessons learned about hand planning, popular woodworking's new website, setting up shop, as well as our favorite articles, blog posts, and even something that we like to call the little Wood Talk Online forum post. But before we get to all that, um, Mark, why don't you tell them how they can get in touch with us, especially Absolutely. they're going to want to after this. Uh, yeah, and say, don't do this show ever again. Uh, yeah, as always, and I'm going to do this in my, my best Matt impression, as always, there are a few different ways you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, a question, or suggestion about something you've heard on today's show, or maybe something in the future, or something that was in the past that you thought about might be in the future, or something that you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode, email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-2450. You can also find all of us on Twitter at, uh, well, Shannon's at RenaissanceWW. I am at Wood Whisperer. And Matt is at MBW Podcast. And of course, if you go to Facebook and do a little digging, you could find us uh, all hanging out there causing trouble too. And oh yeah, the forum. Can't forget the forum. We're uh, typically there answering questions and uh, criticizing people's work. And no, just kidding. It's a very friendly environment, but you can definitely find us all hanging out in the forum. That's right. Absolutely. That was kind of weird. I really felt like maybe you just put something up because you sounded just like me. Just like I mean, you. <laughs> we sound so similar. Chortle. So before this gets any worse, let's go ahead and jump into our first feature and let's talk what's on the bench here. Now, Shannon, I happened to see a, a, a little video. I wasn't supposed to be watching this. I was at work when I happened to pop this on. So Hopefully none of my employ fellow employees or especially my bosses listen to this, but there's something about like this monster plank. I don't know if everybody caught this, but holy crap. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit sick. <clears throat> the worst part is, is I don't really have a place to put it in the shop. So it's <laughs> on the bench for lack of a better place to put it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's a uh, 18 inch wide of what did I it's was 16 quarter. Um, it's been dressed. So it's like three and three quarters thick now. 18 inches wide and a little more than nine or eight inch, eight feet long, rather. It's uh, African mahogany. And uh, yes. I've got to figure out what to do with it. And, you know, I, as I said in that <clears throat> podcast episode, I was a little, you know, when you got a board that big, I'm so hesitant to cut it up and like make something out of it from smaller parts. It just seems like such a shame to cut down <laughs> that 18 inch width. Yeah. But, at the same time, I mean, the sucker weighs a ton. I mean, it, it, it's like, it's, it's hernia quality wood basically to pick up. It's just ridiculous. So I'm, I'm toying with some things. I'm in fact, um, I do need to cut some of the length down. I'm not worried about cutting the length as much as I am the width. Cause I mean, what am I really going to do with one board that's eight feet long? You know, unless I was planning to make a slab workbench out of it and African mahogany is just not a good idea for that. So I'm probably going to cut a chunk off the end. Um, there's some checking on the end I need to get rid of. And I was thinking I might actually take that smaller chunk and resaw it into veneer for drawer fronts because mm, nice. I've actually got this tool cabinet project coming up on um, the hand tool school. And the design itself calls for um, the lower part of the case is 12 drawers. And I thought I was going to do the whole thing in cherry and I was thinking, how freaking cool would it be to have like the deeper red ribbon mahogany on the drawer fronts? That looked pretty sweet. Nice. So I think that's the first thing I'll do with it. But I still haven't figured out. There's actually quite a few good suggestions um, on my blog at this point. But that's that's the big thing. And then the the other ironic thing is there's foam core all over my uh, my bench because I'm trying to mock up this tool cabinet and make sure that I. You know, it would be just like me to build the tool cabinet and then realize the joiner plane doesn't fit in it. <laughs> yeah, that would you know, be disappointing like a little bit. A half inch too narrow to put all the tools I'd planned putting in it. So I'm, for once, I'm actually being a big boy and and actually drawing up a plan. And you and, feel you feel good about yourself when when you actually draw up a plan, make a mock up, and it just you know, it doesn't happen that often. But when you do, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. I even did a. I did a model in SketchUp. I forced myself to learn how to use this this tool. And um, so I'm not such a tool for voiding it for so long. I still suck <laughs> at making dovetails. Um, and frankly, I just don't care about making dovetails in SketchUp. Because I couldn't agree I know more, there's man. supposed to be dovetails there. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, at some point, I mean, if you're really efficient at it and I've seen, you know, folks that can just whip them out like it's nothing, but, you know, to a certain degree, it just doesn't really matter, you know, because half of the time you're going to cut them in a different configuration, you know, and if you're going to hand cut them, you may do something a little bit different or unique, you know, so, you know, whatever, you don't have to get all of those details right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I will admit, you know, I've, I've never thought that SketchUp was a bad idea. It's just one of those things that's like, oh my God, just one more thing that's, you know, going to take my time or take me out of the shop. And I've always been such a um, kind of relative builder. You know, this mm-hmm. is my idea. I've sketched it out on a napkin or in a sketchbook and I'm just going to build. And frankly, right. building by hand, I mean, that's really the way to do it anyway. I mean, right. I, I, it's rare that you pull out a ruler, you know, it's just, okay, this board needs to go between those two boards. And do I really need a plan to tell me that? But, you know, running, running the hand tool school has been kind of, an eye-opening experience for me. It's like, I can't just do that. I can't just say, you know what, guys, just wing it because it just doesn't work. And you, know, <laughs> yeah, you get emails saying, wait a minute. 
How does yeah. that work? Yeah, well, and especially when you're going to get people going back, you know, a year from now, two years from now, and you totally forget what you did, <laughs> and then they have questions, it's nice to have a formal plan there for them to refer to. Oh, yeah, yeah no that's, called, that's called Rubo Workbench for me. <laughs> the, the, the 12 to 20 emails a week about, hey, why did you do this on the Rubo? And I'm like, oh, my God, um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, got, I got a great email today. Um, how long is my dog block on the tail vice? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, it's six inches. And I know there's a reason why I did that. I have no idea why. <laughs> I just cannot <laughs> I remember. I responded. I was like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know why, but I went six <laughs> inches. I, I remember thinking there was a good reason. So, yeah. It's all about relative. I live in a relative world, so I'm going to use just completely relative dimensions as of, you know, as I'm doing this right now. That would probably be my, my nondescriptive answer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's basically, it's our way of saying, you know, covering up the fact that you just screwed up how that joint went because it's <laughs> relatively sized, you know. I am no Daryl Peart. I, I, I did not mean for it to be that width, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you know, your monster plank, I was just sitting here thinking about it. Now, African mahogany, I'm not sure. I'd have to maybe talk to somebody who maybe knows something about wood. But um, hmm. isn't that uh, like one of them that like is really great for maybe like boat construction or something? Or am I thinking of something different? Because well, I, that plank I mean, would make an awesome mahogany. surfboard. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It's kind of <laughs> heavy. I don't know, though. I mean, it would. I've never actually, well, like I've done a lot of surfing. I was born in Hawaii and I surfed when I was five years old and that was the last time. So you were, you were born in Hawaii? I was, yes. I had no idea. So oh, how long wow. were, was it like your family was on vacation or did they live there for a while? <laughs> no, we, we, were, we were like one of three Air Force families on the entire island. So we were basically just keeping our head low so the Navy guys didn't beat us up. Yeah. But it, no, I actually lived there twice. I was born there and left when I was like three and then went back when I was five and was there until eight i think no kidding cool the first trip the first trip i don't remember too much of but yeah i was was born there my brother was stationed there in the navy so i went back to visit several times but anyway on track Matt, oh, the things that we learn on wood talk online <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've seen wooden surfboards before but i think that I mean, they must be really heavy. I've never picked one up before. Yeah, you would I've think so. I always assumed that it was solid wood all the way through. Someone I, out I there was watching should. this award-winning documentary with my son called Surf's Up, and this one character, Cody, uh, he's a penguin. Uh, his, he met this other penguin who's much bigger, and they built one out of koa. And that's what got me thinking about it. <laughs> right. Is this a cartoon, Matt? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> Don't pretend like you don't watch them. <laughs> oh, no, I do. I'm just making sure I haven't missed this one. Was this an acid trip, Matt? <laughs> Probably could have been the one time I was – wait, no, the two times I was in Hawaii. See, it's all blended into one. So, nice. so anyway, your original point, I suppose it could be a surfboard, but, um, it, I mean, it would need a lot of work done to it. It's, I mean, all the mahoganies are exterior grade, if you will. I mean, they don't, they don't rot. Well, I shouldn't say that. They've just got some resistance. rot resistance, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those boards that you just, you know, you don't necessarily have to figure out what to do with it now. You know, I mean, if you could figure out a a way to store it that it's not in the way, just hang on to it until the perfect thing comes along. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, it was the whole reason I have it is it was at the back of the yard in the graveyard, (laughs) you know, so it's not like it can't, you can't weather the storm, if you will. I mean, it's been, um, I finally tracked down the, I don't know, the provenance, I guess, on it. And it's been sitting in the back of the yard for five years. So it's probably been in the yard for eight to nine years. Wow. Um, 
and cats, yeah. you know i mean it's it's weathered and gray and all that stuff and it's uh, maybe that's why it was back there is somebody went damn that's a huge board what are we gonna do with that what are we gonna do put with it that? out back till we figure it out buddy <laughs> well you ever go into a store and you want to buy something but you're not ready to buy it and y- you think that you know, it's the last one there. So you take it and you hide it somewhere else and where only you can find it when you come back the next day. Yes. <laughs> so maybe someone did that and they forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy kind of sidetracked. <laughs> no one will notice. there's about 5,000 more board feet in the back of the yard that someone forgot about. Well, someone got greedy, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's like I, I've been at some like there's a, a woodcraft here in Michigan uh, over on the east side that they have like some of that what was it the, the waterfall oh man I can't remember now it's not cherry but there's like that that waterfall figure that's in it and it's these huge boards I mean they have to be again like maybe 18 inches wide and this thing like is floor to ceiling and I look at that every single time and I'm like oh my god I want it but then there's that voice in my head that says what the hell are you gonna do with it and I cannot come up with the project where that would really be – I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a table out of it. But then I look at it and I go, but I don't want to mess it up because where am I going to make the cuts so that it's going to fit right and, and look right? And it just mm-hmm. – um, I don't know. Understood. Good luck. <laughs> Sorry, my phone just <laughs> it's a good problem to have though, put it that way. Well, you know, I think with – especially with heavily figured stuff, I mean there's such a risk of using that full size thing because it just comes out like tacky. You know, right. I mean, too much figure. It just, I don't know, never works for me. Although that, that, um, Pomeli stuff, and I think that's the technical term for the waterfall. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen Pomeli Bobinga like used in slab form. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the, the stairwell at Hearn Hardwood is made out of this one single board of Pomeli Bobinga. It's like one of those, um, right angle staircases. It's got a big landing and the landing is like five foot by five foot. And that's part of one board and all the stair treads are made out of the same boards. The board actually turns the corner and goes all the way up and it's pretty dang cool. Nice. But Binga seems to come really wide. I don't know much about the actual, you know, it's the, a big tree in tree form, but clearly it's a wide tree. I mean, every time you see a rockler once in a while has those specials where they have like extremely overpriced wood. That's a special buy. Uh, but typically the stuff is, you know, anywhere from two to three feet in width. So there seems to be no shortage of really wide babinga boards. I mean, right. a lot of those, <clears throat> a lot of those African species grow that way. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that tree? And who, who saw, um, what's that Disney movie? <laughs> You know, the big wide trees, the, the, the a lot of them grow that way. I don't. Um, they're like. Uh, no, totally. We, we we try to avoid Disney movies. They're too upbeat. <laughs> Baobab tree. Thank you, chat room. There you go. Um, yeah, a lot of them grow like that where they have these trunks that are, you know, eight feet wide, right. basically. So I know Sapili specifically because we have a lot of really wide Sapili and it it's quarters on wide sapili so you figure if it's 35 inches wide and it's quarter sawn how wide was the trunk you know yes kind of mind-boggling that it is absolutely anyway enough of what's on my bench since we've gone off my bench and off into a whole other room now Um, (laughs) we've headed over to your workbench at work is what we've really done (laughs) yeah very true matt what's on your workbench well, right now I'm finishing up a uh, another hand plane build. Now, of course, I finally, after what eighteen months and several, no, guys, it'll only take like a weekend. To well, put hold together on a second. A brief... I'm going to mark my calendar. To what month in 2013 will this one be done? <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, this is pretty much this is already done. I just have to shape it uh, now. Okay. I got one of those Hawk shoulder plane kits. 
And I, I put it together. That that literally took uh, – it took me longer to wait for the glue to dry up than it did to assemble it. Uh, well, actually, maybe it took me longer to uh, hone the blade. Yeah, I said that. No, glue. No, well, yeah. No, something <laughs> – yeah, okay. So anyways, it's pretty much done. I just – took longer to explain it. it than it did to make it. Yeah. That's pretty much the story of every show I've ever had in my life. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much exactly it. And this is This is really different for me because – the only shoulder plane that I've had any experience with is my Veritas, and it's a, a low-angle shoulder plane. Uh, the Hawk shoulder plane comes in at a bed of 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like one of those – when I first went to use it, I expected it to be like really simple to use, push forward really easy like my Veritas one does because, I mean, the blade was dead sharp. I, I dr- literally dropped it on a piece of paper, and it went right through it. I'm just like, it was insane. I've never had anything that sharp for very long in my shop. And so, you know, I was really excited when I have it, but, but the nice thing is the weight is much uh, lighter than the Veritas medium one that I have right now. And I really like the feel of the wood because again, we've talked about this before. Anytime you have a wooden plane, you really get that feedback from it. And I see myself using this. If say I've cut a rabbit with my rabbiting plane, or maybe I use the router or whatever, um, I, the, the Hawk shoulder plane is perfect for making those slight adjustments mm. to the, uh, the shoulders. Uh, yeah. so I think this, this is exactly where I'm going to be using it quite a bit. The big thing now, like I said, the only thing I need to finish up. So maybe you can mark those calendars. Let's get a little pool going. <laughs> um, I want to go ahead and put down October 3rd as my date. Um, but the, all I need to do is to shape it to my, to the, to my hand, get it so that the, the palm of my hand feels really comfortable there. And this baby's going to be – I'm really excited about this. But on top of it, it's the wood that they're using is just absolutely beautiful and it's really gorgeous. So what is, is, is this the one ninety eight fifty is the price? Am I looking at the right thing? That should be the one. Yeah, it's at his website. Yeah. Yep, looking at it right it, now. And it comes in kit form and goes together really fast. It's interesting cool. when, when there's not that much work to do and you get it, you know, basically you just glue some things together and, and that's the kit. Did, do you feel – like that little bit of being part of the process, do you does that sort of um, bring you closer? This doesn't. Mean, um, this actually isn't a joke, but like right. <laughs> you feel like it's it's you own it. There's a little more ownership as you sort of contour. Like you said, you're going to shape it a little bit so that it fits better in your hand. Uh, is this right. better for you mentally than you know just dropping maybe what would be like what twice as much to go get like a Lee Valley shoulder plane or something? Um, I, I think so. In the in the end, yeah, because even with the the, the Lee Valley one, the Veritas one. Um, it has the, that little adjustable knob. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to put it on the left side now because yeah. I'm going to use it on the right side. This one, I, I, it, I, I'm i sure once I finally do get the finally contoured to the, the the shape of my hand and then the feel and everything, I think I will much more uh, feel one one with the tool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But yeah, it, it does. It, it'll feel like it's it's really mine. It feels like something I've accomplished. It feels, you know, it, it's going to feel good. And it probably would be a tool that I, I, I'm going to grab most often because I've used it, you know, once or twice uh, on a, uh, a tenon cheek and also on a shoulder. And even though it has that 45 degree, which again is throwing me off, but it really shouldn't when it comes down to it. Um, it, it just, it feels right. It, and that's what I, I really love about it. So cool. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a pretty neat kit. And, and this one truly did go together in a weekend. <laughs> Does it cool. come with the wood? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I hope so. That. Here's, when here's I... this kit. It comes with a piece of paper and a blade. Good luck. Oh, All right. good point. All right. Stupid me. Yeah, I guess that would be kind of... <laughs> Boy, that's, that's some kit, Mr. Hawk. Thanks. Yeah, for, for $98, Most... we're going to send you a template. Most of us and... call that a blade and a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, th- I'm still back on the infill idea. I guess I was... Never mind. Well, they look good. Now, he's got... I'm um, looking at... It. There's another one here, but I'm trying to make out what what he's actually showing the picture at the top of the page shows the shoulder plane mm-hmm. under that looks like there is you know so almost looks like a krenov style smoother or something right um, he does sell a smoothing plane kit so there are are, are two plane kits if you it's just you know, confusing because he, he puts them on the same page and it seems he does like, but then again this is all of his kits but there's only one thing to purchase so maybe he doesn't have any in stock right now or something uh yeah i don't know yeah, I'm I right that. now and yeah, I just it was just confusing at first. Anyway, um, uh, right. I didn't well, realize kind of, that he betted those higher. Um, that's interesting. I'd be curious to see the uh, performance difference. Mm. Or actually, no, because it's beveled down. Oh, so it really shouldn't right. be that big of a difference, right? So you're, see, that you're was still another thing that threw me off. Okay. Yeah, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, both Veritas and Lee Nielsen use bevel up on their shoulder planes. So right. combined combined cutting angle should both be about the same. Then I guess right. I've never yeah. actually paid attention to shoulder planes. <laughs> See, and to be honest with you, that's where I'm kind of running into it too because I had to keep thinking about it. my first – once I, I had the body assembled and you have to kind of adjust it for the blade to just – in fact, what you end up doing is when you put the blade into the body, you, you, they want you to set it so that you have to make a small clearance for the blade to protrude. So you're getting almost a right. zero clearance fit right in there. And it was so funny because I kept putting it in upside down. I kept having it bevel up. Oh, and then yeah. I'd read the instruction and go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And luckily, no glue was applied. This was my uh, 18th uh, dry run to make sure that it was going to go well. <laughs> and I was able to get it turned around. And the nice thing is they, they have a really great video. In fact, it's Ron doing the assembly video himself, walks you right through it. Um, nice. The instructions that come with it, extremely, extremely well written. In fact, I lost the original instructions. So I got a hold of uh, um, one of it's it's not Ron himself. He has there's somebody else who uh, I think maybe helps out with the kit, and they have the instructions. And when they send it to me, I mean, it's it's so clear, clear and straightforward that when you're reading it, you're almost like, no, this can't be right. There's got to be more to this. And it's <laughs> it's basically just one sheet uh, from beginning to end. And by the time you're done, you're like, this still doesn't seem right. I'm missing something. Hmm. But hmm. it's a neat little kit. It, it definitely for the uh, for the price and. For a nice weekend uh, project, it's not too bad. Well, and I stand corrected. I'm just not reading the page properly. The top one is the shoulder kit, and the bottom one is the regular plane kit, one and a, with a inch and a half iron. Um, the more Krenov style version is ninety eight fifty, and the shoulder plane is eighty nine fifty. Okay, so just kind of mm. kind of cool. That's not bad though. I mean, to have a it's nice a crafted wooden plane like that. That I don't know. That's that's kind of cool. And and you have a little a hand in getting the thing built. That's very right. Neat. Yeah. It, you know, it the looks neat like thing is what, Beach and what Goncalo Alves or however you say that wood. Yeah, yeah sure, Beach is good. on the top. It's quarter sun beach on the top, and that tropical wood. I'm pretty sure is whatever. Goncalo Alves. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know that we all know not to ask me to to pronounce anything. So I'm not even going to make any <laughs> attempt at it. <laughs> well, you know, the nice thing is with those with that the, the hand plane kits that he has. Um, I do believe he also has like you can get, you know, this one really nice one or you could get like our seconds that we probably normally would just use for firewood if it got cold around here. 
Nice. So didn't didn't like, he have a kit that was an infill kit at one point, or is that someone else I'm thinking of? I guess that's what was confusing. As I thought, yeah, there was a from, hot kit that was an that you know you had to provide the wood yourself, and he provided like the side brass plates or something like that. I don't know. I didn't even no. know that he had kits at all. I thought he was just uh, you know his his shellac flakes and his blades. Nope. Yeah. No. He's had these. He's had the the hand plane for a while because it was um. Uh, I think there's been a couple of classes like at various uh, woodcrafts where that's like the thing is, you know, hey, buy the hot kit. Cause I, I know for a fact that you can get the hot kit for sure. The shoulder plane at woodcraft. I'm not sure about the Kronos style one, but I, I, I bet you they carry them. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. So now we know. Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. That's right. Absolutely. Um, cool. So let's go ahead and I'm done. Shannon, you're done. Mark, I think that leaves you with what's on the bench or i think the more important question is where is the bench <laughs> the bench yeah. is uh not in my house anymore which is a weird feeling well, um, i always thought it was out in the garage uh, yeah well that's true um i try to bring it in a house but nicole doesn't let me bring it in um yeah and this is actually for for anyone who's a little bit late to the show you might be wondering what's a little bit different about what we're doing here and it's it all stems to me just not really being prepared for the show just because i've been so focused on moving because uh, that's shop. a change yeah a little bit and uh and i didn't want to cancel the show i mean we had to cancel uh last week um shannon had his uh ash wednesday uh dealy whacker which by the way uh, i've decided that if you have a zit it's the best day to have one on Ash Wednesday because no one is going to be looking at the zit. You know, I used to, that's why I went to a Catholic high school. So that was always a bonus on Ash Wednesday. But anyway, um, boy, I that's just a hell went, of a cover up. I went three levels off track of what I was talking about. See, when you take the map position, look what happened. <laughs> Wait, that's my job. I almost sound responsible. I'm actually doing <laughs> my job right now. You're supposed to be doing that. So yeah, anyway, about five minutes before the show, I told Matt, hey, you're you're running things tonight. And uh, earlier today, I let the guys know that I'm not going to be able to put anything into the show notes because I'm just, uh, there's too much going on. So uh, in true friend fashion, they both stepped up to the plate and populated the show notes. And uh, if you don't like what we talk about today, you can blame them. Um, That's right. Yeah. It, Absolutely. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I have been moving the shop. On Monday, the movers came in, and this was actually a little bit different than the last time. The last time I had two uh, just independent guys. I don't even think they were insured, but it was the best I could find at the time. And they did a pretty decent job, but they were to get the uh, tools up the lift, and there's a little bit of a lip there. They would get like metal pipes and sort of pry it up and, and use leverage to pry it onto the thing, which chipped the paint, and it's just a little bit little messier than I really wanted the move to be. And this time, totally different thing. This was a regular moving company that just happened to have the right equipment. And they sent three guys and they did a tremendous job. Every piece went into the truck, was wrapped in blankets, and then was secured to the side of this 40 foot giant truck that they, uh, that they, or trailer actually that they towed. So they did a fantastic job, and the thing was, they were really responsible for all the big stuff. I've been bringing all the small stuff over uh, myself, and that between that and just trying to get everything organized over there, it's been running me ragged. Um, you know, the space is relatively large, but number one, I have no storage, so every small item just comes over and sits in a bin or goes on the floor. And I just don't have any place to put the stuff. So between that and just the tools being kind of sporadically distributed throughout the room where the movers left them, uh, it's like it's like a puzzle because you don't know which piece to move first, which one goes where. And, you know, my workbench is all the way in the back and my workbench, unfortunately, needs to be all the way in the front. 
um, and there is a sea of tools between it and where it needs to go. <laughs> it's um, like an OCD nightmare. Oh, dude. Okay. It's, and that's, it I think, why, well, that's why I've been obsessing <laughs> about it, literally, just because I want, I want to have some progress there. So the last three days have just been crazy trying to get everything set up over there. But it's, it's going well so far, and I do have the tools roughly in position. And fortunately, I don't know if you guys saw the little SketchUp diagram that uh, that I put out there and uh, Aaron worked up for me and kind of made it actually a good SketchUp, <laughs> good SketchUp <laughs> drawing. Um, it, that actually worked out pretty well. The one exception was where I had my jointer set up. I had my, my drum sander, planer, and jointer sort of in a cluster. Well, I guess my tools are a little bit bigger than those SketchUp models because there was no way anything would fit in that orientation. So I had to rearrange a little bit, but uh, for the most part, I got to say I'm pretty darn happy with the way things are turning out. You know, I'm glad to hear that because I've always distrusted that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well, you know, what's to say that my, I mean, how could they possibly, the, the, whatchamacallit, the warehouse that you download some of those um, models into. I just wonder, you know, something like um, I used a, a, model of a Stanley number seven. Well, you know, that's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. They're 22 inches long, you know, I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to come up with, but table saws, I mean, my God, they're all different sizes. Yeah. Well, know? the, the, actually the table saw was fairly accurate cause it was like a full length, full size cabinet saw. So that, that was close, but joiners, I mean, yeah. the difference between a six inch joiner and an eight inch joiner, I mean, that alone it, is tremendous. huge. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course the drum sander that I have has those big sprawling legs with wheels on them that, you know, its footprint is massive. Uh, and my bandsaw is much bigger than the model that I had. So yeah, I mean, everything just kind of gets cumulatively, uh, takes up a lot more space than you would think. And I, I knew that going into it, but it was interesting to see that I actually did, uh, fortunately get pretty darn close to the diagram. So yeah, it Very did, nice. it did help to be able to, you know, in the mode, like I would definitely recommend doing that regardless, because when you're in the situation and all the tools are there, it's so inundated. Like, that's that's not the word I wanted to use. My brain is not in the right place. Yeah, overwhelming. Thank you. Right. Uh, it's incredibly overwhelming because you just don't even know where to start. And if you have this sketch that you did when you were calm and relaxed, and you know maybe <laughs> laying in bed with a laptop. Uh, you can refer to that and, and trust that you made the right decision when you were at, in the right state of mind. And, and that actually did help me to sort of guide what I was going to do and just keep moving forward. Um, right. So it's, it's not too bad. Uh, I've got the electrical work to do uh, probably starting tomorrow. But adding to this now that that's really causing me some problems is the fact that my mom is moving back uh, into that house like tomorrow. And she was going to use some of the space as a staging area before she brought all the things into the house. And there is no staging area anymore. It's <laughs> it's full of, I mean, when a shop just, uh, there's no storage, it's just like a giant explosion of stuff. And, right. you know, there's dust collection pipe everywhere and fittings and random crap everywhere. So still a little bit overwhelming, but I, I'm working through it. So uh, I just, you know, thank you guys for being able to, pull up the slack on this particular show because i think it's <laughs> we were due we were due for one and i didn't want to have to uh cancel again so well right you know now. i was thinking about this the other day and i don't know whether i was just reading your <clears throat> your newsletter or whatever but 
Um, and the thought just occurred to me, well, geez, this is Mark's business. Mm-hmm. It's like he can't film anything until the shop is back up and running. Yeah. It's like that's like when you take a website down in a business and you're like, oh, my God, yeah. we got to get it back up, got to get it back up. And I was just like, God, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I'm glad it's not me. Yeah, it is. And I've got uh, – well, because the guild build took a lot longer than you know I originally intended, the next guild build is uh, slated to start in May. And that means I don't have a whole lot of time because here's the thing. I still have a free site that I've got to feed with content. And, right. uh, you know, so fortunately the shop stuff will give me a lot of good content between now and then. Um, but I've got just so much on the plate right now before the guild build. Um, this is, you know, a little bit of bragging here, but I'm actually going to uh, spend some time with David Marks at the end of April. Um, so he's doing more, trying to get more into making videos and doing his, uh, his own DVDs. So I'm going to, uh, take about a week to go out there and hang out with him and teach him some stuff that, that I've learned from doing the podcast and show him how to do some editing and all that fun stuff. So, well, hasn't the student become the teacher (laughs) in in sort of an very odd way? Um, but you know, in, in payment, of course, I'm, I'm going to be taking at least part of a class with him and, uh, just, you know, getting just getting to hang out with a creative mind like David Marks is uh, inspiring and definitely recharges your batteries for this stuff. So um, but that's Very at the nice. end of April. So as soon as I come back, guild build, got to start building. And uh, yeah, doesn't give me a lot of time to get this shop going. So, yeah, the pressure is definitely on for sure. Absolutely. Holy crap. But you know I what? I'm one of those people who can't be idle for very long. So frankly, I haven't picked up on that at all. I mean, <laughs> the years that we've known you, I, you seem kind of laid back to me, to be quite honest. I try to be I try to be as laid back as possible within my uh, crazy type A mindset. Um, but yeah, so we well, you know we have it on the schedule that we are going to talk about, you know, setting up shop. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you really have hit quite a bit about about the move and everything else. Sure. You know, and, and, and the whole thing with the shop layout, um, it's so funny because as you were talking about that, that was one thing I was thinking is once I, I uh, brought the, the newest couple pieces of equipment into the shop, which was the dust collector and then the um, the drill press, I ended up having to wrestle with that again. And, you know, Shannon, you, you and I had kind of just slightly mentioned we were going to talk about this, uh, you know, sure. the variations with our shop. So you have, Mark, this huge, this good size space that I think a lot of us would go for is there's. Is how much different is it from what you originally had before you moved out? I mean, it's uh, well, it was basically a five car garage, and one portion of that was for an RV, so it's really, really high ceilings. So it actually looks larger than it really is when it comes down to it. It's just under a thousand square feet that I have to work with now. And what I what I walled off was a one car, basically, what would be I walled off Shannon's shop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is a one car garage and that's going to be used for cars when the time comes <laughs> i close shannon in and uh yeah he's gonna be upset about that but yeah so i did lose i lost a little bit but not not so much and what i gained in all of this is two long walls which okay. to me is incredibly mm. valuable for Excellent. actually organization, where to put tools, running electricity. And just, it just, I think the, the real learning point here, the real lesson for me was um, going into the three car garage, making that work, and then going back into that space and sort of reimagining what I can do with it. Instead of when I first went there, the space was so big and I didn't really have nearly uh, the tooling that I have now. 
So mm-hmm. I just kind of threw everything in there and just let it develop over time. Well, that evolution got to be a little bit messy. And I think I sort of, you know how it is, you're into, into it a little bit too deep. You can't take that outsider perspective. Right. <clears throat> well, now I can look at that space as an outsider and say what as, you know, let's say this is someone else's shop and they were asking me for help. Where would they put things? Uh, and I look at it that way and all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, you know, I should have done this when I when I was there before. <laughs> And it's right. going to be a heck of a lot more efficient with more open room and just, it just, it's going to make more sense now. Sure. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, that, that actually brings up, you know, something that's been on my mind when you talk about that wall space, to me, that's just such prime real estate because anything that goes on the floor, you know, anything that has a footprint just mm-hmm. seems like almost like a bad idea, you know, Um, because that's where like our stationary tools and things go. And at least for me in a, you know, 13 by 26 space, um, I have a whole wall of base cabinets and that this 24 inch countertop. So Mm. I suddenly now have a 10 by 26 space and, you know, I have to move things around when I'm working with stuff anyway. And of course, now that the bench is is really the the prime focus, it makes things a little bit easier because there's not you know, I'm, I'm doing everything around the bench, but, um, I'm about to go into, um, my semester final project on the hand tool school. And it's a big hand tool cabinet. I actually don't have a place to put it. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to build this and I do not have the wall space to put it. I yeah, mean, I, yeah. I have to move stuff around and it's got me thinking, you know, um, well, it's crazy too, because there's, there's, um, like HVAC ducting and then there's, um, like the main, I don't know what you call that, the main power feed that comes into the house, like that big honking cable sure, okay. that actually runs into the, um, the, the sub panel. That actually comes in through the center block wall and it's like all, whatever you call that, patched around it. But it's this un- inflexible steel cable thing that actually protrudes out from the wall, mm-hmm. which used to be great because it was like the perfect thing to put plywood behind because <laughs> it actually held the plywood in place because it's it's... <laughs> out from the wall about eight inches. So you nice. can slip sheets of plywood behind it. Whether that's safe or not, I don't know. But um, but because that sticks out the way it is and the HVAC ducting above it, I only have like a 24-inch tall space to actually fit a cabinet on, my, on one wall. And my cabinet is actually going to be 36 by 36 footprint. Ooh. So I actually have to put it on the opposite wall of the shop well, those base cabinets underneath it, I just, I don't like them anymore, you know? And I think I originally designed them as a way to, like you said, Mark, kind of get the stuff away and yeah. into something, right. you know, because if it's just laying out, it ends up getting covered in dust. And sure. of course, then it, at least in my shop, it rusts um, with the humidity so high out here. So I, I've kind of done my best to have everything go behind a door in a cabinet. And I'm really rethinking that whole thing. Now, first of all, having one dedicated tool cabinet that all my hand tools can go in. Well, that frees up like four of those base cabinets because basically <laughs> they're just like thrown in there. I right, mean, right. isn't that amazing how it does that? It's just, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of doing something like that. I have like this shelf where I have all of my hand planes laid out and I never thought that I had, you know, that many. I keep thinking oh, I can get some more because I want to get some more. And yeah. I look at that now and I'm like, oh my God, do you know what I could do with that space? We're, we're, <laughs> you know, there's so much there. Yeah. Well, and I think um, like for rust prevention purposes, um, I've actually hung on to like the boxes when I bought premium planes, you know, they come in the box and there's that kind of anti-rust blue bag that's yep. inside or mm-hmm. the that, what's that, anti-ferrous wrap 
um, that comes around it. And I've hung on to that for the, the tools that I don't use all that much. And I'll put it back in there to kind of control some of that stuff. Well, I finally, I pulled it all out and I realized, my God, I've got all these boxes and stuff. And once you get rid of that, there's actually quite a bit more space. <laughs> but I, I'm thinking that just the, the act of actually building this tool cabinet is going to create just like a major shop overhaul all the way down to how I store my lumber um, and right, change right. everything from stem to stern. Um, when I originally designed it, I had a chop saw. So I had set up one of those, you know, where the chop saw is lower than the the fence, if you will. So you've got those two wings on either side of the chop saw that are higher. Mm-hmm. So you can run lumber across it. Well, I got rid of the chop saw like three years ago um, in favor of just using hand saws. Well, I've got this whole setup over there with that like Krieg fence and um, what do you call that? Flip stop and everything. Sure, it's yeah. it's useless. Right now my lathe is sitting in that spot. And it's like, I don't need a flip stop for the lathe. <laughs> so there's like, there's all this just kind of wasted space. And I don't know. I, I think I might actually do the whole gut it and start over thing. You know, pick a, a nice sunny afternoon, move it all out into the driveway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it it re- really hitting that reset button is, is essential. I mean, and I've, I've written about this in the past, how the shop is a never ending evolution because the problem is our tools constantly seem to change. Our preferences seem to change. Right. Um, you know, and I would imagine to some extent the hand tool school has to be thrusting you further into this hand tool world, which is going to affect your shop layout and, and yeah. your needs there. Well, you know? I'll put it this way. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about actually uh, renting a storage space. Mm-hmm. and and moving some of the power tools into it i'm just so not ready to get rid of the table saw yeah i know the minute i do it that and the fact that i invested a lot of money in it right. and the router tables hanging off and it's like but you know what what if i were to rent a storage space for like you know whatever the the lease is for six months stick it in there and see what the shop is like without it you know move my move my joiner in there move my table saw in there because yeah. um, right now they're taking up space and I'd really be curious because that way I could at least go back. But it's like, no, I need that table saw back. Well, you do, I mean, if you, this is one of those times and you, you, you guys go through the same thing I do. There's, there's what you do on camera and then there's what you would do if the cameras weren't there. So right. if, if you were, you know, challenged to build a particular project, would you want to use your table saw? And and that's, that's an excellent point. And I think your point earlier about the hand tool school kind of, driving me further off the deep end. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because when the camera's off, I, I don't use the table saw because I mean, and, and Mark, Matt, both of you guys can speak to this being on film makes you a better woodworker. Oh, no doubt. About you it. have yeah. to think through <laughs> everything. You have to explain it. You got to make sure it's clear. Cause and if you don't, I have, someone else will do it for you. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. They some of them will do it nicely <laughs> and some not so much. Uh, not you too so much. <laughs> Wait a minute. You guys have people do um, it nicely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Occasionally Matt. <laughs> but I, I think the, the effort of, of doing all these lessons and all these projects entirely by hand, mm-hmm. I've gotten a heck of a lot better with hand tools in right. the last it's, it's been four months, I guess, almost five months since mm-hmm. I launched the school. And um, this is going to sound terribly arrogant but i saw to a line like every time now <laughs> my my i can't wait for the hand tool olympics i'm gonna tear it up nice but anyway it's, i i can saw to those... a line too it's just not the one i wanted to <laughs> that's yeah mine's usually the one way over there <laughs> yeah. it's it's the new one that i didn't draw right <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where now you know because my table saw is off in a corner and i've got that magnetic sheet over the top for rust prevention it's inconvenient to use. Yeah. You know, yes, technically once I get it set up, I can rip a whole lot of lumber, but it's not the way I build now. 
You know, I don't batch rip a bunch of lumber. Most of the time I design my projects around the size of the rough lumber I have. So I'm not doing that much ripping. So I, I think the more I talk about it, I think that's, I'm going to do that sooner rather than later and just kind of do, I like what you said, hit the reset button, see what happens. Just, uh, just promise me you won't write, uh, anti table saw tirade blog posts. <laughs> no. I mean, that would be so hypocritical for me, you know, table saws are bad, by the way, I'm hanging on to mine in storage. Just in case. <laughs> we we don't I'll want get one that... of those storage closets with power so I can just go over there and play with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to make a quick cut or something. You could do it. Yeah, that could be your, your alter ego, basically. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm, efficient. I'm going to load the lumber in the car, drive down the street, plug in the table saw. Cut, just, just to make two cuts and come back. Well, you know, one thing with this whole idea of, of hitting the reset button, and I I, I posted something on this at the, at the forum, uh, which was based on an article that I had read from uh, Adam Carabini a while back, which is this idea of are there, are there tools that you regret and are there tools that you have that basically you don't use anymore? And I have a feeling that both of you, right now are kind of in the situation, especially you, Mark, where you probably, as you're moving, there's, there's things you're probably coming across now that either it's like one, why the hell do I have this? Or, <laughs> or, or two, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. And then not come up with a reason to ever use it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just, cause I, that's one thing is, and for you, Shannon, you and I with this limited space, cause I too, am kind of, it's funny when I saw your comment about the, uh, the, 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 the whole tool cabinet coming together, I was kind of doing the same thing. I have this small plan that I've drawn out and I'm almost going along the lines of like the, uh, guys have to come up with the problem for Apollo 13. It's like, Matt, you have this amount of space. You have two rolls of used toilet paper, a stack of, uh, you know, sticky notes, uh, some twine and a soda straw go to it, you know, and that's what I have to build from. But it's like, as I'm going through all these things, I'm finding stuff that I don't use anymore, even though I've, I've thought I've gotten all that stuff out of the way. And I think this idea of hitting the reset button is perfect for that because it's this awesome opportunity to say, you need a new home, uh, go someplace else and yeah. either garage sell the hell out of that thing or just dump it in the trash. But the, the, the problem is the hardest thing to do is to get rid of some of those things. I mean, I, I have a ton of stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky just with the show. I get a lot of things to review some stuff I get and I never review it and it just sits there and it's, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just, I already have something that does that job. So, mm-hmm. I, but I hang on to it. Well, most of the time what I wind up doing is giving the stuff away or, you know, doing a giveaway on the site. But at the same time, there's something that it's like, you know what? I don't use that right now, but I really might want to someday, you know, like, right. uh, like called my, a, um, that's called a scroll saw for me. Oh, see, like, scroll saw for scroll me too. Saw. Yeah. And the, like, the day I want to do a marketry project, I'm going to be like, <laughs> where's my damn scroll saw? Why did I get rid of that? You see, know? I, I, I ran into that situation pretzel. this summer with my drill press. I had that benchtop drill press and I'm like, I never used this. I can't think of the last time I ever needed this that I couldn't do it with my hand, my hand drill. And then what happens? I have that breeze plane, which I finally had gotten to after 18 months, and I needed a drill press to finish off one portion of it. So yeah. that totally, yeah, I, I know that feeling. It's like, and I'm sure I have the same thing with like uh, um, uh, 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 drill uh, drill bits that I've probably thrown out that I'm like, I will never use this size. What am I thinking? Yeah. Right. And then the very next project is like, I thought I had that size around here. The hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, the same thing with the assorted nuts and bolts and screws mm. that are all over the place that you just kind of put into a pile and you go, uh, should I just throw it away? Or, you know, as soon as you throw it away, you're going to need that one random bolt and then you're going to have to go spend a couple bucks at Home Depot to buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, I just want this one. Yeah, you have to buy the whole pack. <laughs> right, oh. exactly. 
<laughs> oh man. Well, okay. So, um, is there anything else you guys want to touch on about with, uh, setting up the shop or anything? I know there's so much more, and I know you're going to be covering a lot more of this yeah, with your ship. Get into it for sure. Um, the one thing I do want to mention, uh, I can't. I just forgot to mention it earlier. These movers, uh, Jones Moving, I believe is the name of the company here in Phoenix, did a fantastic job. But there was one moment where my heart <laughs> leapt into. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. My mouth. Uh, I was filming them, you know, like like the a-hole sitting on the side filming the guys doing all the work. And um, they were trying to get the table saw up the ramp. And what happens is with this table saw, the it's they usually get the body onto you know a dolly, a rolling dolly, and then they use um, uh, you know something to lift up the steel legs uh, on the other end. Well, the problem is um, most things aren't wide enough to get both feet of the legs, so they get it on one, and it causes it to tilt a little bit. I don't think the guy realized that he was just on one foot, and as oh. he goes up the ramp, oh, you, you know how things can get a little tippy uh, as it's going up a ramp it starts to fall and oh, I, I got the whole thing on my, uh, the, what do you call it? The little flip cam <laughs> and it started to go down. And fortunately the, all three guys were there. They, they stopped it from falling, but it, it was almost there. And, yeah. uh, I mean, frankly, I laughed because it's like, you know what, at that point, what, are, what am I going to do? You know, they're, and they're insured. If something happens, I'm sure, you know, it would be covered. But at right. the same time, when your flaming table saw takes a dive, you kind of get a little bit nervous. Well, you know, if you had caught it on film, if it had gone over, I would call that the litigation cam. <laughs> you know what? That's, what? that's what these guys are probably thinking. Like, man, this guy's really paranoid that we're going to mess something up. Uh, and, and yeah, and of course, the, the the scariest one. I mean, the thing is, everybody wants to know, how does this stuff get moved? You know, once it's assembled, this is quite a process. So if you ever go through a move, you want to see someone else's experience. And I tried to document as much as I could without being a pain in the butt. Um, so I did get the actual near fall and, uh, fortunately, <laughs> uh, I didn't get the rest of it, which was me helping them. Um, bottom line is I think most of the time, if you hire movers, I don't really think they want you to get too involved. And that's kind of why I was right. staying on the sidelines until it was time to make sure, you know, stuff didn't break. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, Hey, let's move on to our next thing. Do you guys want to talk about, um, uh, the new website that's up and running over at popular woodworking or sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, so yeah, we have not? a, we have a couple of different things on here. Now, Shannon, I'm going to let you take this one since you went ahead and did the most of the uh, the legwork on this. Well, uh, it seems I, only fair. We talked about Fine Woodworking's new website last time, and lo and behold, Popwood launched there. So. It was like the week after, but, too, right? I mean, it was immediately after we did the show, basically. Yeah. Right. The, the one immediate thing that I'll say that I like is I don't have to scroll to the bottom of the post to see who's writing anymore. 
Um, cause you know, before it just used to all be written by Christopher Schwartz. Um, right. and although after a while you, you do pick up the tone and you can figure, I bet Megan wrote this or Bob or although Bob and Glenn often confused me, I could never tell who was writing it. So mm-hmm. you had to scroll to the bottom and see who signed it. So at least they now have separate user IDs in their, uh, WordPress setup. Pretty sure it's WordPress looks WordPress to me. Um, I am curious though, um, the whole register to comment idea, I think they said the reason they did that was so that they could avoid the whole capture code thing at the end. Um, does that annoy enough people that they have to go in and re- – well, first of all, have you guys gone in and registered on the site to comment? I haven't. I've actually not I, – I, I, blah, 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 blah. It's not really intentional. The we'll, we'll talk about the whole excerpts thing, but that <laughs> that annoys me enough that it's got a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth and I really don't feel like going to the website as right. a result. I, and uh, I, I feel so one with the staff of Popular Woodworking that I just I email them directly and <laughs> that I just, just avoid this whole thing. It just has conversations. It, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't have to go to the website. He knows what the articles are before they get posted. And, and you know, I've told them before, <laughs> they don't have to respond and normally they don't. So. <laughs> but I think my comment gets out there. So no, I, I haven't, I haven't actually registered on the site yet. It's interesting. Cause I did. Um, I don't remember what post it was, but there was something particular that I, I felt I had to comment on. And, you know, it's a multi-step process to register, create a user profile and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the double opt-in thing where you get the email and, and I actually, then it took a while for it to start up. So then I actually couldn't comment on the post I wanted to comment on for like several hours. And it was, it was kind of off-putting. Um, and it just seems kind of, well, I don't know, maybe I'm totally out of left field here, but I get the impression that more people frequent that blog that don't frequent any other blog or don't even know what a blog is. Um, yeah, they just kind of live on it, that site. Maybe call it age discrimination, but I think there's some folks that are a little more afraid of computers that will, you know, stomach it and go to the Pop Woodworking website. Um, if you read the threads and the comments, there are certainly a lot more people that aren't as internet savvy who actually will read that, which I think is a testament to popular woodworking that they can capture some of that audience. Yeah. But I wonder if they've gotten a lot of comments about these damn capture codes. I can't read them, you know. Um, <laughs> can't and, find and- my glasses. <laughs> Well, you said it, not me. like, um, why, why do they need a capture code for comment? I understand well, that's what that, I was thinking, you do that, but I don't, I don't have, have that. I don't have that either. <laughs> right. right. No, I don't either. You know, I, I have to approve people's comments that have never commented before. But once once I give you the nod, you're free to comment all you want, you know. And and frankly, what's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody, some troll is going to leave some post, you know, that's awful and usually end up having a laugh with it. And just moderate the comments and there won't be yeah, a problem. I mean, exactly. But, you know, yep. and it, that may be it. You know, we are talking about a, a large entity here um, that's got multiple users, um, maybe now with um, – with Ajax on board, they've got somebody actually dedicated to it. Sure. They've got somebody that can moderate a little bit more. I mean, I think honestly in the past it's been like, probably everyone's afraid to say, I'll take it on. (laughs) It's like, okay, (laughs) you're in charge of the web now. There you go. You know? Right. So I don't know. It it was, it was honestly kind of off putting to me and it may just be me. There were multiple steps and here I am. I actually registered. Um, but I'm always curious, kind of since I am designing a website for um, my day job, I kind of go through these things to see what the process looks like and how it works and what's behind the scenes. Well, um, I mean, speaking of off-putting, I haven't registered yet. What I want to know is why the hell do I need to put my address to register to comment on your website? 
Oh, yeah, you know, I, I completely missed that one because I haven't really taken a look at it. You have to like your your physical mailing address for this. I, it doesn't give me. It doesn't say whether these are all required fields, but there's nothing indicating that anything is or isn't a required field. My assumption is they are all required, and it wants my first name, last name, email, username, address, city, state, zip. Username well, you know, even password. if even if it wasn't like marked as being required, I mean, I know a lot of audience members that that right there again, maybe because they're afraid of the internets. That um, that that could really push them away from it. I, I just have to look at my mother-in-law who thinks that just standing next to a computer you're going to get a virus. I mean, I just it's it, it's really to me that's kind of that's that's kind of interesting. Well, it's one well, of those things where I mean, regardless of what the reason is, they're getting it's a magazine and they're capturing our information, whether that's you know for the intent of putting us on a list. Uh, or marketing to us in the future, there's no right. reason for me to ever have to give a blog my address. Right. And yeah. I think, frankly, a lot of the things, and maybe we could segue into that because about the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the excerpts. Excerpts. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm really slow tonight. Are you overwhelmed? Um, are, you, are you overwhelmed, Marcus? Uh, not, not at the moment. I was <laughs> earlier today. Um, but when, when you're really, you know, trying, whatever the reasons are they're giving for these things, I just don't feel like they're, accomplishing what they're claiming they're supposed to accomplish um you know and the the excerpts are another example of that where it's like we want more people on our website well guess what grand total you're going to have less people reading your stuff i mean that's just the way it, it works and it it's just so obviously a marketing ploy you know yeah. everything the way it's structured you know the the commenting is a lead generation device at this point it's yeah. not audience engagement it's lead gen they want people to sign up. They want to be able to build their newsletter response, their email marketing. And, you know, hey, I work in internet marketing. There's nothing wrong with it, but you have to be very careful. You have to be kind of, there's a place and a time for it, I think. And and the whole excerpts and the feed thing, um, yeah. What's what's interesting to me is the content is awesome. Right. I mean, there, there's truly probably no better woodworking blog out there. Um, um, well, it's except for mine, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree with him actually. Marks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kerry Holtman and Tom Ivino, who else contributes to the show? Uh, we got <laughs> so, Adam um, King. Uh, let's see. Who? No. <laughs> the, the What is Modern blog? Oh, yeah, sorry. That guy, that I did guy. it. But anyway, I mean, Chris, Chris is a phenomenal writer. I mean, there's no question. Um, all of these people are professional journalists. Um, even Glenn Huey is a professional journalist now, you know, they're, they write really well. And because they're popular woodworking, they get all these cool tools. They get the first look at all these tools. You know, I mean, they have, they have a perspective that the individual blogger is just not going to have. So to me, you don't have to entice anybody to come in and, and read their posts. Um, I generally click through to a lot of sites anyway, um, except when I'm browsing offline or something like that. But um, the, I think the response was we need to get people on the site because there's a revenue generation. They have, um, you know, upsells that's and things where, like that. That's where the they site. make their money. Yeah. On their right. website. So, I, I mean, I guess, you know, there's the difference. There's the big difference between me and, and probably woodworking. They make money blogging and I don't. And, and I spend money. <laughs> <laughs> I spend yeah. money to blog for the privilege <laughs> to blog. Well, so true. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to say, maybe go out on a limb here and say that, Number one, this is incredibly disappointing. And to just kind of clarify for folks who don't know, when we were talking about this excerpts thing, previously 
what they would have is you could subscribe to their blogs on any kind of a reader and you could read the full article pictures and everything inside your reader. So if you're a avid blog reader, this is essential because you want to be able to read everything in one place. You cannot physically go to every single website that you read and, you know, frequent the website to get the information. Um, the problem is that's what they used to do. And now with this new website, the new format, they only provide excerpts. So you get about two sentences and a title. And right. if you want to read the full article, you have to click through to go to their, to their actual website, which if, you know, if you are a reader user, that really screws up your flow. It and does. for that matter, the writing style there, particularly Chris's, there's always some sort of preamble, some you, you sort never of gets witty to, preamble. Yeah, it doesn't so get you to don't the point. know what the story's about, you know? <laughs> yeah. If it's the even worth reading. two paragraphs later. So. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's talking about beer and the bitter taste of something. <laughs> and in fact, what he's getting to in the article is his favorite shop apron. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, so the bottom line is, if you're like me, a person who relies on that being the full article, it really messes things up. And um, the problem is, their excuse was that they need to get people to the website. So the question is, you deny people access to that full article. Does that actually generate more traffic to your site, or doesn't it? And we could probably do a whole another marketing show about whether that's even really true. Um, right. I personally don't think it is, and I know for me. Just my contribution alone to their personal traffic, I can tell you, based on what my experience is, when I link to an article that I've read in my reader, it goes onto my homepage under the What Mark's Reading widget. And I hear from people all the time, like, hey, I noticed you just linked to us. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the traffic. It's on my homepage. It's the same place where I sell, you know, $350 ads. And it's sitting there getting, you know, 600,000 views a month. And right. they're going to miss out on that because I used to link to that. I mean, like you said, Chris's uh, writing is fantastic. Um, and the rest of the guys, you know, they're, they're all great. Their articles are fantastic and I can't link to them now. Right. So that's one example. And I'm just one person. Now you guys, you know, in terms of sharing these articles and getting them out there, we're all a part of this ecosystem and they just cut us off. So, yeah. I mean, I got to say, I, I, on a personal level, I, I love those guys, but I don't think they're the ones making the decisions here. I think the decisions are being made higher up and they have no choice but to follow along, unfortunately, because I, I always thought they were the most forward thinking magazine out there. Yeah, I almost felt like they took a step backwards just with that that one thing there alone. Because I, I, I felt that way today. I was like at lunch, and I love going there and seeing that. And to be honest with you, I just didn't have the time and the inclination between shoveling food in my mouth and avoiding one of my bosses <laughs> to click on those links and go the rest of the way, where normally I could at least get halfway through the article yeah. you know, before I had to move on to another bench or something. Um, you know, but, you're, you're probably right, though, Mark. It's probably somebody with an F&W media and not the popular woodworking staff, you know, yeah. I get the impression there's kind of an evil empire thing going on over there. So, yeah, I think you know, if that's the case, I'm sorry, guys, you know, it, that sucks. Yeah. And I don't mean <laughs> yeah. to, to get on their case too much because we are, you know, friends with, with them and they're, they're great. And what they do with woodworking in America, I think is, you know, change things for a lot of people in a way that we learn and stuff. So I think they, they do fantastic things and they're so great, but you know, embrace what we have. And, and I know they, you know, if it's coming from the boss, what can you do? You yeah, know, there's exactly. really not much you can do about it, but I'm just kind of pissed. Excuse right. me. Well, Pardon I the mean, French. It's, it's, it's the, the print versus digital media. And there's people that are versed in print higher up within F and W media that are trying to control, you know, a, a virtual environment that's just not doable. Um, right. Yeah. I, I run into that when I, especially when I was working for a web marketing agency and we were, 
you know, going after clients and talking to other clients. I mean, it's a constant battle. You know, right. there's the people on the traditional advertising side that want these certain things and, you know, just you can't do it. You can't right. do it in the in the digital space. Well, anyway, again, now, what, what do you guys think about the dedicated blogs? I know this was a third thing that you had on there, and of course, we have no longer the the woodworking magazine dot com slash blogs. Oh my god, I've suddenly spoken wood moment there um, with, <laughs> with Chris, but now he has you know the Chris Schwartz blog and you know all these other ones. I mean, if, for one thing, for sure, it seems like they're pumping out you know posts constantly, um, you know more than they usually did. Is one thing for sure. Um, so yeah, really I wonder if that. there's I wonder if there's some automation in there that's still a little screwy because I'm still getting posts like kind of out of order and I don't know whether <laughs> yeah. it's out of order but like you get notifications like they'll pop up in their Twitter stream and like the the iTunes video feed will come up at a different time and it just seems yes. like there's something there's some ghosts in the machine over there messing things up and and you know like Chris will have six posts come out all at the same time and that's probably not the case. Especially, yeah, they might have some weird caching thing going on yeah. too. I mean, right. he comes from a newspaper background. I don't. I doubt that he's he's used to putting out like sequential things rather than blasting it all at once. Um, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, you want to talk about traffic issues? That's going to be an issue. If they push it all out at once, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> yeah. posts that never get viewed that way. Yeah, you lose a lot of the potential. You have to, yeah, you have right. to put set the feed to trickle. And uh, hey, I just want to point out the giant flipping ad at the top. My, uh, my my big pet peeve, they did it too. Yep. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> three three times the size of the popular woodworking magazine logo. Yeah. I know there for a while I was trying to figure out what <laughs> website I was at. I had to keep looking at the URL at the top. Well, no, today I'm, apparently I'm on the Go Solar in One Click Sungevity uh, page. Oh, ooh, and also were... apparently Popular Woodworking has an ad on this page. Oh, wow. Well, good for them. <laughs> I wonder what they paid for that. Interesting. <laughs> it's really hey, funny. So, but right, that's well, it. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you again, Matt. Yeah, you do. I know you're yeah, driving. You you're, you're, you're trying to take it over. You're in the driver's seat here, so I got to. I got to. I got to settle down here. But I get excited about this stuff. Um, I, I do want to say, with all that said, as much as we just you know um, reamed them a little bit, I do like the changes. I, I think compared yes. to what they had before, which was poop on a stick, this this is definitely better. And embracing WordPress, you know, I think was a big move and actually a little bit surprising, but. I like it. I think overall yeah. it's good. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just unfortunate that I'm not going to see it that often. It's right. going to make finding old articles and certainly from a search engine perspective, it's going to make things a lot easier to find. Because sure. that was a real issue right. in the past. Totally. You yes. know, I knew there was an article that someone had written over there and it's like, why am I finding it through, you know, Wilbur Pan's blog first? <laughs> yeah. right? you know, like, no offense, Wilbur, but, you know, because I mean, that was the case, you yeah. know. Mark, I think you said this. I love it when you're looking for something and you Google it and you find it on your own site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if that's an affirmation or a red a red flag warning that I need like some medication or something. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I've been finding, um, doing the stuff for the shop. I've been searching for just general shop furniture topics and things like that. And and I keep finding stuff in the Wood Talk Online forum. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and in fact, it was some of the best information I found was on our forum, which was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I, I've been noticing that quite a bit myself. So, so, okay. So around the web, why don't we go ahead and jump into this real quick? We were going to do magazine roundup, our favorite articles and blog posts. Um, but you know what? We could over to pop woodworking and check that out. Actually. Uh, there's a couple of things on here. Um, I'm not sure who put these on here. The art of manliness. Uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody want to take the claim that one? <laughs> not me. I have no idea. That was in the show notes when I got here. 
Okay. Well, then maybe we'll skip over that one. Although <laughs> you only have to look at, you know, Wood Talk Online for the art of manliness. Let's get serious. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but w- one thing I threw up here, and I'm just going to go ahead and take the lead on this. You, you mentioned Woodworking in America, and they just announced uh, the 2011 dates are September 30th through October 2nd. But don't get too excited yet, folks, because this is only the dates. They still have not announced who the lecturers are going to be, who the marketplace uh, uh, vendors are going to be. All of them. Um, yeah, any of that stuff. So, although I did, I saw that little blurb they had up, the little video talking about the uh, what they're trying to do to rework it so that there's less noise in certain areas. You're not being overwhelmed by other things. Was that a so, problem last time? I didn't really notice because it was so loud. Hmm. I just didn't no. really like notice any situations where, where it was too loud to have a conversation, you know? Yeah. No, no, I actually, I neither, I didn't either, unless maybe people were talking about you and me and we were too loud. <laughs> maybe we, maybe we won't be me. invited this year and that'll, that'll <laughs> yes. clear things up real fast. <laughs> it was that, that American chopper group that came walking through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That'll do the trick. Well, I'm excited for woodworking in America because I hear that Vic Hubbard's coming. Really? I hear it. Interesting. Mm, yeah. I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you guys want to do a, uh, let's do emails next. We had one question that I know we had talked about uh, before we went on here and we, we can knock this one quick email out of the way. And then we're over the hour mark at this point. So uh, we'll play it by ear, but maybe we, we might have enough time to do the common task quiz, which is now becoming a favorite uh, segment of mine. I don't know about you guys. Who cares about you guys? It's a favorite of mine. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, let's go into the email. Um, actually, uh, Shannon, you want to take this one? I, I posted this up here, but uh, uh, sure, you this should is something because I, well, this is an email that I think was sent to you, and it was sent to me as well that I haven't had time to respond to. So I know I'm feeling uh, really bad. It's like a form letter, and it kind of yeah. bothers me a little bit. Anyway, this is an email from Ty Allen. So thanks, Ty. Sorry, I haven't responded to your email yet. <laughs> But you're about to. (laughs) It's only been two days. So um, it says, I am a new woodworker and I'm branching out into hand tools. I currently have no hand saws and am and am look to buy some. Hmm. Me, woodworker. (laughs) Woodworking is good. He's really going into that Neanderthal thing. That's (laughs) for sure. Taking it a little bit too seriously. (laughs) Anyway, Lee Valley has nice sets in my price range, but I need some help because they all look the same to me. Well, they do look the same. Have you used the Veritas hand saws? So uh, he says more here, says there's the dovetail saw set and the carcass saw set. And what about tenon saws? So let me jump into this and say, um, I have used the Veritas dovetail saw. Um, I have not used their new um, carcass saw, crosscut saw set. Mm -hmm. Um, I know lots of people who have. There are a bunch of students in the hand tool school who snapped up that like $99 deal, which is just awesome. Um, and apparently they work really, really well. Um, supposedly they work just the same as the dovetail saw. I mean, it's based on the same kind of chassis, if you will. Mm. So, um, I I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't work really well. Um, the thing that I'll say about the carcass saw set, um, and the, what about tenon saws question is that they are, they're a bit small for my taste for a tenon saw, um, there is a rip cut and a cross cut one, but the rip cut I think is the exact same size, same plate depth, same length and everything as the uh, cross cut carcass saw. I personally prefer a much longer and deeper tenon saw um, from a balance perspective. Plus, I just think there's a lot more flexibility to it. So, you know, I, I think 
well, I'm the wrong person to ask because you can never have too many saws. But um, <laughs> I, I do think that the, you can't beat the price. I mean, there's no question. And they do perform, frankly, better than the price. You know, the whole get what you pay for thing is not applicable here. You get more than what you pay for, in my opinion. Mm. So you, you really can't go wrong picking up the dovetail and crosscut saws because I think it's, I don't know what the deal is these days, but you know, you're going to spend a fraction of what you would spend to go and buy individually from, you know, some of the boutique dealers or something like that. And they're set up and ready to go. I mean, you could certainly get vintage saws for much cheap, much cheaper, but you know, if you're a beginner, that's not what you want to get into. You don't want to be tuning up saws and dealing with sawtooth geometry and everything. So I, I do think that you know, the question of getting a dedicated tenon saw is one of those that I can't really answer until you know how much work you're really going to be doing. I mean, if he's a new woodworker, just branching into hand tools, I would probably say don't buy a dedicated tenon saw right now. Um, right. Because you have no idea. You know, you might slip and fall off the deep end like I did and you'll want seven tenon saws. Or you might say, this is ridiculous. Give me a tenon jig and a table saw. So, <laughs> you know, I'm always going to be hesitant to to say buy a whole bunch right off the bat but i don't think you could go wrong with a veritas dovetail and crosscut saw because you're gonna you're gonna use them a lot um yeah i mean start start with the things that you're going to be able to slowly transition yourself to hand tools and then i think you know i know for me personally completing or well it's never really complete is it but uh getting my set of hand tools uh more and more uh filled up that one of the last things I did was buy a tenon saw. It just wasn't one that really came up as often because right. of the, because I do incorporate them with my power tools, you know? So I had the dovetail saw first, you know, and then I just kind of branched out from there. Uh, but that was definitely last on my priority list. Sure. But you know, one thing with the, with the dovetail and I, when I had responded to Ty about this much earlier, um, I kind of mentioned the fact that I, you know, I have, I have a tenon saw and I, I have the Veritas dovetail saw. I also have a, uh, Lee Nielsen dovetail saw quality wise with the two different dovetail saws. I really barely notice any difference at all with them. Agreed. The only thing really different is uh, one's brass backed and the other one is um, some scientific weirdo stuff <laughs> magic. that they're using. But like it's, I think they borrowed it from Festool. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, like a ma- Festool magic German plastic. <laughs> right. right. You know, but the one thing with the tenant saw I kind of pointed out is I said what I found is uh, – and I'm I'm probably gonna get some flack from this from somebody probably Shannon. Uh, the uh, I've used my dovetail saw for some of my shallower ten- tenons. I mean they're both a, a rip cut, and I, I've used the the dovetail saw and I've gotten pretty damn good results with it. And I've been pretty happy with it. So one thing I kind of mentioned was it might be a situation where you don't know if you're going to need the tenon saw. You, you know, you're only going to do a few by hand or something like that. I have actually found myself starting with my dovetail saw hmm. and then finishing up if I needed to go deeper than where that back is with my, uh, my uh, rip uh, panel saw. And that has gotten me to where I need to be. And then I just clean it up with my, uh, my router plane. Um, a little unconventional, but it works. So not a thing that, wrong with that. I, I think that's perfect. You know, it's yeah. also, how often do you make tenons longer than an inch? You know, exactly. I very, <laughs> very rarely do it. I mean, it's, it's, I, I cannot tell you the last time I did other than just to, let's see how deep I can make this tenon. Every time I make a bed, Shannon, which I haven't made yet, but every time <laughs> that's when I'm going to do it. Well, honestly, I do a lot of through tenons these days. Um, and that's a lot longer, but I think the reason I do through tenons is because I can because I have the tooling to do it. And I like, I think they're cool looking, you know, but you know, yeah, there's the only thing I would say with using the dovetail saw is it will be slower, but you know, when you're just starting out, 
that's a good thing. You know, yep. take your time. Well, and um, not to mention, it's it, it, just like with power tools, any tools, it's it's good to hit limitations because you when people buy like a whole complement of something, you know, in terms of tooling, they don't necessarily get as fine of an understanding for what each tool does and what its benefit is. So if you start with a limited set, you hit those walls and you go, ah, oh, man, this thing just isn't cutting aggressively enough. And that maybe that's when you need to upgrade to the tenon saw because the dovetail saw just is too fine of a cut. There's no set, you know, and you wind up getting trapped if you go, if you're doing anything that's too deep, you know, so you hit that wall and now you have a real good understanding of why you need that other saw because you actually hit that point that, that you needed it. I think right. that's a fantastic point. Good job, Mark. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, well, wow. you know, I was I thinking about that power for a while. tool guy. <laughs> in 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 10, 20, 50 years, I think this will be known as like the second golden age of hand tools. And mm-hmm. in some respects, it could be, you know, difficult because you can get such incredible quality tools so easily, so quickly. Yeah. You know, heck of a lot quicker than you could in the original golden age of hand tools back in the 18th century and 19th century. So, yeah, I think people, you know, you get this instance with Veritas where, hey, buy two and get the third free, you know. Um, So you end up with these saws and you're like, okay, now what do I do with them? Same thing with hand planes, you know. Okay, well, I'm going to get the one through seven Stanley bench plane and you (laughs) use – you know, the you're only going to use like three, three of them at, at best. I mean, yeah, that's an yeah. outstanding point. Once you hit that limitation and realize, okay, now here's why I would want a longer plane or here's why I want a rougher cut. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's also a good way to cool. avoid, um, you know, buying tools twice or buying tools that you, well, Matt, you mentioned that earlier. I think when you're talking about the Adam Carabini post about having tools that you regret buying, you know, yeah. if, if you buy it before you really need it, how do you know that you actually need it? You just read it on a forum somewhere so you think you need it or you listen yep. to the advertising that told you that you need this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah been good, there, good done learning. that. Yeah, we'll do it again over and over. <laughs> been there, done that. We'll do it again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if we want, let's go ahead and move on to um, – you want to do one more email? I know, Shannon, you had one that came in and uh, you just wanted to be able to throw around the scientific name of this particular wood. Do we have enough time in there? You guys want to do this one or well, you hey, want to, uh... before you do that, I'm reading the notes and realizing the stuff that you guys were like the art of manliness thing. That was mine. Yeah, well, that's what of I kind course. of figured because you know, you, <laughs> but we are, <laughs> yeah, I'm very manly. Um, I call it uh, nerdy macho, but the, uh, the, th- it's actually a link. I could put the link in the show notes. It's, uh, something that, um, uh, Yucatan Dan, my buddy, Daniel Russell sent me and it's 12 essential tools for a toolbox. The thing is, this is more general purpose tools, and he sent it to us thinking maybe we can do that as a feature for Wood Talk, is go through what the woodworker's essential toolbox might be. And I think the way we could look at this is maybe put it in a useful perspective for people and talk about what you might need to bring with you to a class. Let's say you're going oh, okay. to, to build something. So let's put that on the back burner for next time, but that's why that was there. We'll give that okay. some thought. The yeah, other that's, thing that's its own show. Yeah, really. I mean, cause there's a lot of different toolboxes or, you know, depending on what you're building and what school you're going to. But, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I, I feel bad if I didn't uh, throw this in there is I got an email from, uh, Vicky and it's about the Hawaii wood show that they're having. Okay. Out we're there. there now. They're going to fly us out. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So they're going to be flying us out. Uh, but let me just read this real quick. She says, Aloha, Mark. I assist in I assist the Hawaii Forest Industry Association with promotion of the state's largest woodworking show, Hawaii's Wood Show. The 19th annual juried show is April 8th through the 17th in Honolulu. I'm wondering if there is a way uh, to make the readers of your site more familiar with the show. Excuse me. It brings the best woodworkers in the state together in one place. 
The show promotes sustainability by restricting the type of product used. Wood must have been uh, planted and bought or planted and brought to full growth here in Hawaii, and certain endangered species are prohibited. Cool. Uh, if this is of interest to you, please email me so I can give you more information. Mahalo. Uh, okay, so yeah, that was from Vicky. So that's just kind of yeah, an that, FYI. That's like, you know, twist my arm. See, you have to use Koa on this. <laughs> <Right>. Darn. <laughs> Son of a... Oh. Yeah, so if you're in the area, if you live in the area, I don't even know if we have any Hawaiian listeners uh, or if you're going to be in uh, Hawaii in April, definitely want to check that out. I wonder, like, if the judges are like, oh, God, not another surfboard. Oh, man. <laughs> it's nothing but oh. surfboards. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's that. All right. All right. So you want to move on to this this email, Shanna, that you, you have here from? Uh, sure. You guys want to hear from the dentist? Doctor. Never, Doctor. As long as there's no God. drill involved. I never want to hear from the dentist. I hate the dentist. It reminds me, I got an appointment coming up. I better put that in the notes right now. <laughs> so Dr. Daniel Gardner writes... <laughs> I feel like Casey Kasem, and he writes, <laughs> um, I am planning on making a tool chest fashioned after one of Roy Underhill, after the one Roy Underhill made and wrote about in a past issue of Popular Woodworking. He used pine, I believe. I will be using soft maple, Acer rubrum. Nice. <laughs> the larger side and in stock will be roughly 30 inches and 18 inches. As a matter of workflow, how would you proceed to getting all of those segments out of one piece of rough stock? I'll be using a combination of electric and hand tools, thickness planer followed by a number seven joiner. Would you plane and joint the full length of the stock, then chop, or chop a little long and then thickness plane? So what do you guys think? How would you get it all out of one piece of stock? I am of the idea of chop to a rough length and then plane versus doing the full length and then chopping. I just... It, to me, that just seems like the, the smartest idea f for what works best for me in, in the smaller shop. Now, if I had this huge monstrous uh, shop, no. Actually, I would probably still do it as I prefer to chop things to the rough length and go from there. Just I, I get a better feel from it. Maybe that's just me. I'm touchy-feely. Hmm. I, I agree. I had to <laughs> Too much heavy lifting. I had to reread this because I wasn't listening the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed when I went to the web camera, Mark's like looking out the window. I zoned, I zoned out. No, actually what I did was I, I took the Latin name and I just started, I don't know why I saw a Latin name. I copy and pasted it and just wanted to Google it. And I don't even know what I was looking for, but I just, went, <laughs> this is I why like, uh, I'm not so good in this position of the, the backseat here. <laughs> Genus Acer, rubrum is the species, red maple, soft maple. Rubrum, rubrum. Rubrum. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's funny. I just, well, I guess sure. the thing is I like to see pictures of this. Um, do you think that's on there? What is it? Roy Underhill tool, tool chest or something? Yeah. How good is the new popular woodworking site? Let's see. Ooh, we're about to find out. And this is going in real time. Mark I see, is a, there. He's I see a SketchUp uh, drawing of it. Is it, is it. It looks like a like a blanket chest. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm, I'm yeah, looking at the right thing. Mitered, mitered uh, dovetail molding around the bottom and uh, dovetail um, planks or wainscot around the edges and then a mitered floating panel top, if I remember correctly. Okay. I mean, Roy, Roy built that on the Woodwright shop long ago. Um, it's in several of his books. So, I mean, it's, it's something that's been around a while. Um, but it looks to me like Daniel's actually got, um, let's see, he's got a wide board. Um, if he's saying he's going to get it out of one board, so he must have, uh, well, no, he must be gluing up a panel because isn't the, the 
height of that chest, like 24 inches or something like that, unless he's got some 24 inch wide stock, which good on you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, just, I guess so I, I understand what he's asking now. I guess I could offer my opinion. It, it really depends because if you go anything personally, I don't like to go anything under 12 inches, you know? So depending on what his sizes are, he said, what 30 and 18 are the two dimensions. Right. Um, yeah. Either one of those is going to go through the planer and the joiner just fine. But if I've got, you know, let's say I've got a bunch of uh, eight inch pieces that I need to cut out of a board. Well, I'm going to keep those. I may not keep them like a four foot length, but I'm going to keep them maybe, um, I don't know, 16 to 20 inches so that I can get two out of it later. Uh, and that way I could safely joint and plane those boards to get them down to thickness. Uh, also, of course, the longer you keep the piece, as you start to chop it, rip it, and do certain things to it after it's already been planed, things can move, you know? So you, yeah. you don't want to necessarily go full length, but you don't want to go too small and chop it into tiny pieces that then become a hassle to to joint or a safety issue uh, to joint and plane. Well, and I think just in from a conservation perspective, um, you're going to get more yield if you cut it closer to length. Um, you know, long boards are going to bow no matter what. Yeah. And to get a long board perfectly flat means removing a little bit more wood than getting a, you know, 18 inch length right. perfectly flat. Yeah. So, you know, especially if you're trying for seven, eight inch net thickness, mm-hmm. um, which I, I usually try to do. Um, I mean, the reason that a lot of the lesser quality lumber in home stores is three quarter inch is because they do skip plane the whole length all at one time right. in order to get it, you know, nice and smooth on both sides. They have to remove a heck of a lot to do that. So I think most efficiently and, and frankly, less heavy lifting, you know, if yeah. you can take, take the saw to the wood or whatever, chop it down in a manageable length, then run it through the, the, um, planer and joiner. And if he's using an actual hand plane, to, to clean up, I mean, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier if you're not dealing with an eight foot long board. Yeah. <laughs> True that. Trust me on this one. Faux show. This, this, is, this is where I love my laziness. <laughs> nice. So sweet. Okay. Well, I think uh, we're, we're definitely running a little bit long, although it's maybe not as long as last time. Oh, maybe it's longer. I don't know. I didn't pay attention last time. We got, uh, so- <laughs> well, actually, we're about exactly where we were last time. We're, we're going to hit an hour and a half here. Okay, would you guys want to go on with this one last thing, the common task quiz, or how about we save let's, that for the next one? Let's do it. I'm in the mood. Okay. All right, all right, folks. Well, here we go. We're going to do the common task quiz. I'm your host, Matt Vanderlis. we got a couple of questions <laughs> here for our two uh, co-hosts here, so let's go ahead and get started. Now, these are meant to be quick answers, so I want them super quick. I'm going to snap my fingers. You better have your damn answers. So here we go. I haven't read them yet, by the way. Okay, so. well, I'm going to read them for you. Here we go. I, I actually wrote them in the show notes. So. Oh, oh, cheater. So I, yeah, I'm going to give Shannon the go with this. That'll give you time to think about it, Mark, unless you're staring out the window once again. <laughs> Hold on, so. wait, let me make sure I'm paying attention. Okay, okay. go. All right, so our first question, uh, cutting miters, how do you do it? Shannon? I use a handsaw and a shooting board. Excellent. Mark? Loser. I use a, what was that? I use a, uh, I use a miter saw. With okay. or without the laser? <laughs> Well, you know, I actually don't like the laser, uh, but for, for miters, I'm a sort of cut to, to the line sort of person and sneak up on it. So I will use the miter saw, but I will take, you know, it's a little bit of a longer process, a little bit of back and forth. How about, well, you know, a table I saw use to- a miter saw too, but it's a meat powered miter saw. So. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Yours is easier to stop once it goes in the finger. <laughs> yeah. How about a, how about a table saw? Do either of you ever, have you ever used a table saw or do you just feel it's so unreliable? With your your miter gauge, 
it, it can be reliable if you live in that world, you know, if, if you, right. if you use it a lot and I have in the past before I had a really good miter saw, I would use the table saw to do those. And if you've got like an Incra or an Osborne or, you know, just a bunch of those different things, or even a sled, um, you can get really good, accurate cuts on the table saw, but you've kind of, you sort of commit to that. Um, if you're just doing a one-off and you just grab your, your miter gauge and you haven't really done this before on a table saw, <laughs> you're probably not going to get great results. Yeah, I can see that. Agreed. I've had a, where it, it slid right out the back because I wasn't holding it very tight. You ever mm-hmm. have that? So it's suddenly you're like, whoa, wait a yeah, minute, that was get, supposed to be. It's very easy to get movement uh, when you're cutting it at the table saw. Depends right. on how many sides I have to miter. If it's a full frame, no way. If it's only three sides, yeah, piece of cake. I'll do it on the table saw. No yeah. problem. And, you know, I was I was kidding with, with Shannon, but, you know, there is definitely um, a good argument. And I haven't made one yet, but to use a shooting board. Uh, even when you cut it off of the, the miter saw, that sneaking up process, there's no reason I can't use a shooting board to do that. And I would get better results. It'd be a cleaner cut. And I could be, you know, sure that it's absolutely dead on 45, whether or not the miter saw was perfectly calibrated. Won't matter anymore if I'm using a shooter board to tune things up, so... Right. Well, what we're expecting is once you get the new shop put together, uh, that'll be your first big project. And then you're going to move your miter saw out and we're only going to see that. I'm actually going to just copy and paste uh, hand tool school episodes onto my website. (laughs) I don't want to be bothered. (laughs) A shop shop that large, you ought to have your own shooting board corner. (laughs) There you go. That's my shooting (laughs) corner. There you go. All right. uh, Common task quiz number two. Uh, We're going to take it one step up. How about cutting compound miters? This time, let's go to Mark. Uh, well, my answer is going to be the same. Uh, there's really, to me, no better way, more, uh, you know, efficient way of doing it than just, uh, cutting them on the sliding compound miter saw. Okay. And how about you, Shannon? Um, I mean, these days it would be done by hand. Um, honestly, in the past when I've done it, I did use a table saw. Um, I never, I had a crappy miter saw. It's one of the reasons I don't have it anymore. Mm. Um, I just didn't trust it. Uh, it might have if I dialed it in properly, but usually um, I would actually use the uh, use the table saw. But okay. these days, I draw a line and cut to it. Nice. Look at you bragging about that. Now, how about if like <laughs> recently we're showing that 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 hand uh, spun grinder? Uh, I, I know. Uh, I think Bob had it over at um, uh, at his show. Uh, oh my god, Logan's Cabinet Shop. And yep. then um, they showed it on popular woodwork. Now, what if they came out with one that was a hand-spun miter saw so you could just pop in a blade and just spin that? Would you use that? Would that be considered hand tool use or is that um, I think not? they have one of those actually. Really? <laughs> I'm sure the Victorians did something like that. They had to. They did, they did hand-cranked everything. Um, Put it on a little hmm. treadle like over at a, a Roy's uh, shop. <laughs> treadle miter saw. Spin faster. Your, your arms are so weak. Okay, uh, let's go to this one kind of fits in with our last email question. Breaking down stock from the mill. Hmm. Shannon? Usually, I mean, definitely with a handsaw, but usually before it even makes it into the shop, like in in the lumber yard itself, just to fit it into the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually have a lumber yard handsaw that's in the trunk of the car. So definitely, definitely by hand. Be careful when you get pulled over by the police on that one. Uh, what is this saw for and why is there blood on this? <laughs> nice. Okay, how about you, uh, Mark? What do you have? I'm kind of similar to Shannon in that, um, you know, I, of course, I'm going to use a power tool to do it, but it's kind of conceptually the same. I mean, I'm not comfortable taking rough lumber to the miter saw. Uh, I'm not comfortable taking it to the table saw, maybe the band saw. But when I'm doing that initial first work, I actually use a jigsaw. 
Um, okay. And I find it much safer to take the tool to the wood rather than the wood to the tool. And I used to use a, um, a circular saw to do my initial breakdown. But even then, uh, that you, you just too many kickbacks doing it that way with rough yeah. lumber, uh, if, if anything, just the size of the fall. On a jigsaw, there's no kickback. You don't have any concerns like that. So I routinely use my jigsaw for breaking down lumber. Yeah, nice. I have done that as well in the past. Much, much safer. You know, I'm always worried that when I head to like a class, if I was to take a class like, you know, where I'm going to go build something that people would often see me heading over to cut the wood and go, look, they're bringing the tool to the wood. Boom, boom, boom. All right. So our last one here for the common task quiz, fixing an ill-fitting mortise and tenon. Mark. In which direction is it ill-fitting? Is yes. It- <laughs> okay. I don't know what to ask Shannon. What did, what did you mean by this one since you put this It either fits or it doesn't. Come on. No, well, I, is it too big or is it too small? Let, let's oh, go with that. Sorry, let's go with- too small. It's too loose. Too, loose. Okay, it's too loose. Yeah, too loose. Let's go with that. Well, that's the one where I would probably just grab um, from my little pile of uh, you know uh, veneer sheets, just random veneer sheets. I'd probably try to find the most similar species possible and just... Get a little 42nd of an inch veneer sheet, glue it on, and, um, you know, retrim it down to the appropriate thickness to get it to fit properly. Very nice. Okay, Shannon? <clears throat> For me, it would have to be really poorly fitting. Like, I would have to be like Mark Spagnolo and not paying attention and just, like, <laughs> cut it like a half an hey, inch. what are you trying to say? To, to glue something on, I would draw bore it. Draw bore it, not worry about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess it would depend. I mean, because um, uh, really, I don't know. I I get a little bit nervous as soon as I've got, like, if if it can fall out via gravity, Mm -hmm. that needs, to me, that needs to be, something needs to be done, you know? So, and I would have to come up with some solution, you know, but... I, I I used to feel the same way and I would do like a veneer sheet or whatever. But ever since I started draw boring joints, it's like, there's just, I mean, that's like bomb proof at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, it has to be really loose for me to break out veneer. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it good for the common task quiz. And before we start drawing the boring people back in. (laughs) God, I kill myself. (laughs) I love the fact that I put him in charge. Wow. (laughs) So anyways, I I I think that's going to do it for that. (laughs) I think that's going to do it for episode 80. Mark, you want to take us out of here and maybe tell the people how they can get a hold of us to let you know to never let this happen again. (laughs) Shoot, I forgot that's my job. Uh, Yeah, of course. You can get a hold of us by uh, emailing us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-2450. And you can catch us in the forum. It's always a good place. And of course, Twitter at Renaissance Woodworker. Sorry, at Renaissance WW, at Wood Whisper and at MBW Podcast. Sweet. So I think that's going to do it for right now. And uh, thanks for everybody for stopping by. As your uh, sit-in host for right now, I'd like to have all of you vote that this should be a permanent fixture, and the other two can just you know stop by once in a while. But yeah. uh, anyway, I'm not right there. I think so if you didn't like it, if you didn't like it, send emails to Carrie Holtman and Tom Ivino. And I think next week maybe we'll try Shannon leading, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm game for rotating this. It just means less work for me. Actually, uh, that, I think that would be a lot of fun. 
if I lead, we have to do the hand cranked version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I have enough uh, power to run my computer for the, the whole hour. So We'll have to maybe do it before Aiden's bedtime so I can have him down here on the bike getting the generator going. Gilligan right. style? <laughs> yes. You know you have a hamster wheel. Nice. Cool. All right. Sweet. All right, folks. Well, thanks for stopping by, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Toodaloo. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.